sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Week starts right here, right now, live on a Monday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. It's not just any usual week, it's Super Bowl week. As Super Bowl Sunday is now just six days away. Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix, Arizona, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. As we have detailed throughout the week following Conference Championship Sunday, now in Super Bowl week, it is time to take a look at where the line stands. As we get ready, less than a week away now from the Chiefs facing off against the Eagles with a Lombardi Trophy on the line Philly remains the very short favorite it is just a point and a half in favor of the birds it's the same money line from when we last spoke on Friday afternoon minus 122 in favor of Philadelphia plus 104 on that side of Kansas City but again we're talking less than 30 cents of distinction between these two teams entering the big stage on Super Bowl Sunday in just six days the total was up from the opening number of 49 and a half last week 50 in a hook for that over under and that is where it stays as we are now in Super Bowl week, a programming note for you. I will not be here on this show the morning after tomorrow, but you will be in great hands. Dubs Anderson and a cast and crew will continue to get you ready for Super Bowl week. The reason I am not here, I will be on a flight to Phoenix, Arizona, where for the rest of the week on the early line, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time, 5 a.m. Mountain time out there live from Phoenix, Arizona, myself, and Kevin Walsh will be getting you ready live from the Super Bowl Media Center on the FanDuel Sportsbook set all week long from the desert live leading up to Super Bowl 57 on Sunday. But a big weekend in the world of sports. Maybe no actual football game. The Pro Bowl games was going on, but maybe no actual football game as we have that bye week in between Conference Championship Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday. So the NBA said, all right, we'll take over Sunday as a blockbuster deal is now done. Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. After we left you here on Friday afternoon, in the early morning hours, I guess, before noon Eastern time, it came out a report that Kyrie Irving, ahead of Thursday's trade deadline in the NBA, has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn acted promptly. About 48 hours later, they send Kyrie to Dallas for this return. The Dallas Mavericks will get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. The Dallas Mavericks send back to the Brooklyn Nets Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, a 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick as well. Part of the frustration, perhaps, reportedly, that Kyrie Irving had felt with the Brooklyn Nets was this idea they were unwilling to offer him a max extension that he wanted at the conclusion of this 2022-23 NBA campaign. He wants to get paid, and Brooklyn had pretty much said, Kyrie, you really haven't been available here in your four seasons as a member of this Nets organization. It seemed as though the waters were smoothed out following Kyrie Irving's anti-Semitic sharing of a film on Amazon earlier this year in the off-the-court drama that had plagued his tenure 
with the Brooklyn Nets. It seemed like everything was smooth until Friday when he requested the trade. About two days later, he is sent to Dallas, Texas to join Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. We welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of an new week here on the morning after it is super bowl week but a huge weekend in the nba as well sirius xm channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well i am ben stevens so as i detailed just moments ago here is the entire trade package between the dallas mavericks and the brooklyn nets dallas gets both kyrie irving and markeith morris the brooklyn nets send back Spencer Dinwiddie, who played for Brooklyn from 2016 until 2022. Dorian Finney-Smith, a lifelong Dallas Maverick, who was an integral part of that postseason run last year for the Mavs. A 2029 unprotected first-round pick and two second-round draft picks as well in 2027 and 2029 as well. So here is the timeline from the odds perspective. After the morning after wrapped up on Friday, a couple of hours later in the afternoon, Kyrie Irving issued that trade request wanting to be traded away from Brooklyn at that time the Dallas Mavericks became a potential suitor their odds getting a little bit shorter 27 to 1 to win the NBA championship 14 to 1 to win the Western Conference the Nets had the third best price to win both the title and the Eastern Conference the trade request happens the Nets move back the Mavericks again shorter in the market and now the Dallas Mavericks, 14 to 1 to win the NBA championship, plus 550 to win the Western Conference crown. To put those two numbers in perspective, the Dallas Mavericks with that plus 1400 number, the seventh best price to win the NBA championship at this moment, the plus 550 price on the Dallas Mavericks, that is the fourth best number now to win the Western Conference. Where Dallas stands overall in the standings, just two games above 500, 28 and 26 right now, currently the sixth best record in the Western Conference standings. But now they move up this board, plus 550 to win that Western Conference crown. Kyrie Irving, the help that many thought Luka Doncic needed all year long to truly be a Western Conference title contender. How those two will pair in the backcourt will continue to break down here in this opening hour from the actual basketball on the floor perspective and what it means from the odds movement as well. Later on in hour number two, the Brooklyn reaction. Where do the Nets go from here? And what happens with Kevin Durant? But up next, again, it's a Monday. But it's the Monday of Super Bowl week, live here on the Sports Grid Network. And the morning after, our Monday morning armchair quarterback, Donnie Wrightside, joins the show next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is a Monday morning. Live right here to start off a new week on the morning after on SportsGrid. But not any regular Monday morning. It's the Monday morning of Super Bowl week. As Super Bowl 57 is now just six days away in Phoenix, Arizona, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back to this Monday, live right here on TMA. I am Ben Stevens. Every Monday throughout the entire NFL season, on this, the final week of the NFL season, we have had Donnie Wrightside here to play our Monday morning armchair quarterback, and DRS steps in as the signal caller once again. Donnie, hope you had a wonderful weekend without football. DRS, I remember from our mm. trip to the Super Bowl together yeah. last year, we watched the Pro Bowl yeah. together. You were quite upset about how the lines were set 
for that game. I didn't see any lines for the 2023 rendition of the newly coined Pro Bowl games, but did you find any action this weekend? Uh, I did not find any action in the NFL, and quite frankly, until you reminded me that there was actually a Pro Bowl last year. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe there was a Pro Bowl last year as well. That's the feeling I get here, and also a 7-on-7, which Kevin calls the 7-in-7. Fantastic stuff all the way around the board, but I was not participating yesterday or partaking in any wagering on the Pro Bowl. All right, DRS, so let's focus on the actual football game we have on the horizon. Super Bowl Sunday between Kansas City and and Philadelphia. DRS, since we were all last on these airwaves on Friday morning, not much movement. The Eagles remain a point and a half favorite. They are a minus 122 favorite on that money line. It's the same number for the Chiefs as it was about 48, 72 hours ago, plus 104. The total on the rise from where it opened at 49 in a hook stands currently at 50 and a half. Donnie, do you feel any differently on this Monday morning, now in Super Bowl week, than you did last Monday morning following conference championship Sunday as it pertains to the Super Bowl 57 matchup between the Eagles and the Chiefs. No, I, I still think the Philadelphia Eagles are the better overall team. Now, the one thing interesting thing is I was asking Kevin last week on the radio was saying, like, when do we get this movement, Ben? When's the second round of yeah. movement? And I thought it might have come today on a Monday, which, again, still have a long day to get through. But Super Bowl week, when people start to focus their attention, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right up till game time here, where is this line apt to move? Because Kevin asked me a pretty good question here, Ben, this morning. You know, when are you going to make your move on the Eagles? Because I am going to bet the Eagles. I just haven't gotten yeah. the price point I want because it feels like to me, Ben, the movement here, if it goes to minus two, I don't care about that. Minus two and a half, not really necessary. Three, that would be interesting. I don't think it goes that high. But I'm almost waiting for the minus ones or the pickums or Kansas City to come back into the equation if we get good news on some of those Chiefs wide receivers. Still like the Eagles. Yeah. Haven't changed my opinion. Just haven't bet it yet, Ben. That's all. Donnie, I have already made my move on the Kansas City Chiefs. I am a Chiefs fan from growing I mean, up on, as a childhood I mean, fan of Priest Holmes. What, what was that? Big Ten. They don't play in the Big yeah, Ten. I mean, I, the I mean listen, the Big Ten really has all of my heart, but I do love the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs as well. I've already bet the Chiefs as an underdog, much like I did entering conference championship weekend when KC got up to a two-and-a-half-point dog against Cincinnati because truly it's rarefied air for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Since he became the starting quarterback in 2018, the Chiefs have been booked as a dog just 11 times. 7-3-1 and one against the spread. Six of those seven covers outright victories. And again, DRS with a point-and-a-half spread and less than 30 cents of separation on the money line numbers, we're picking an outright winner. So let's go to Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City, making their third appearance in a Super Bowl in the last four years, which of course means that Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback for KC in two prior Super Bowl matchups. DRS, as you look at his props for this edition of Super Bowl 57, how do you weigh that Super Bowl experience for Mahomes at the helm of this Kansas City offense? Oh, it matters. It really does matter. Like, been there, done that before. The biggest stage, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be scared of that. Neither is Andy Reid. He's been the multiple big games. But if I'm trying to take a look at Patrick Mahomes, I do like his underpassing prop, that 292 mm. and a half. I think it makes sense to go under. And I explained this to Kevin earlier. It's not so much, Ben, I don't think that Patrick Mahomes can get to that number. He's talented. He gets over 300 yards against anybody. But I also look at that, forget about the Philadelphia Eagles defense. It's the offense that might play a big part in the game against Patrick Mahomes, keeping him off the football field. The Eagles are happy mm. to run out the clock. We've 
seen it multiple times and quite frankly, back-to-back weekends in the playoffs here. Once they get a seven to 10 point lead here, the Eagles take the air out of the football, don't turn it over, play good defense. And that also just means instead of scoring touchdowns, we're also about just getting first downs and keeping that clock movement here. Now, also one quick point here on Patrick Mahomes. Two Super Bowls, Ben. But if you roll it back, the one that they played Tampa Bay, they lost 31 to 9 against a really good defense, didn't even score a yeah. touchdown. But I think a lot of people forget, even in the Super Bowl they won, they were down 20 to 10 with about six and a half minutes left to go in the fourth quarter before they exploded. Yeah. Some turnovers, some big plays, some broken coverages. So it's not as if I think that Patrick Holmes can just walk down the field against a good defense. He has the capabilities, yes. But in the Super Bowls, he's been held down a lot of the time there. 286 in that Super Bowl victory, at least through the air, passing yards-wise against San Francisco. Two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Two interceptions against Tampa Bay in Super Bowl 55 when he only threw for 270 yards. And DRS, the narrative out of that football game was the Chiefs failed to protect Patrick Mahomes, so they reinforced that offensive line immediately in the offseason following the 2020 campaign. DRS on the other side. Uh, three Super Bowl appearances for Kansas City in the last four years. Just the fourth postseason game for Jalen Hurts at the helm of Philly's offense. DRS, you mentioned the game script the Eagles have run so far. 44 rushing attempts as a team in the win over the Giants and the win over the Niners in the conference championship game. However, a lot of that was game script dependent because Philly was up so large at the halftime break. So when you look at the arm and the passing yards props, DRS, for Jalen Hurts, 240 and a half is that number. What do the Eagles offense need out of Jalen Hurts' arm to win a Super Bowl come Sunday? They're going to have to keep the Kansas City Chiefs defense honest. And what I mean by that is you can't just line up. And again, I know the Philadelphia Eagles like to impose their will. Great offensive line, multiple running backs, Jalen Hurts on the ground. We get that. But the reason why you get that much action out of the backfield is because Jalen Hurts has had a very good season passing the football. A.J. Brown, a 1,500-yard wide receiver. Devontae Smith has had a sensational year and also mixed that in with a healthy Dallas Goddard over the middle. That is the recipe for a devastating offense, and it's been very good. But if I'm trying to line up here what I think is going to happen, it's been frustrating the past two because the Eagles have been in the 30s both games here, and you're saying, like, where's that over one-and-a-half touchdown passes here for Jalen Hurts? It's kind of hard to get when you're not even throwing the football in the entire second half. Now, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Do I think the Eagles will blow them out? Probably not. So you're expecting a four-quarter game script here on Jalen Hurts and throwing the football. If they're going to go toe-to-toe with Kansas City, I do believe the Philadelphia Eagles get into the 30s. I just don't think it's going to be, hey, we got four first-half touchdowns all on the ground. Kansas City can't move the football. Therefore, we don't have to pass. So I think we're waiting on that week, like the A.J. Browns and DeFonta Smiths, which, again, includes your quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I think they do have a much better performance. Why? Because you're probably going to have to play football in the second half your bet. Absolutely so, DRS. I'm going to be focused on that 31 and a half passing attempts prop for Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Just 25 against San Francisco, only 24 against the Giants. But again, that was game script yeah. dependent. And it's not like they're going to turn away from the run game, DRS, knowing how vital Jalen Hurts is in that, as you saw with his 49 and a half rushing yards prop and plus 105 to find the end zone, something he has done 15 times this year in each of the two birds postseason victories to this point. DRS Philadelphia, the only team since the start of the divisional round to score 30 or more points. They've averaged 34 and a half in their two playoff games and limiting their opponents to just seven in each of those two. You see the numbers for the Chiefs, the two team totals for both the Birds and the Chiefs DRS for Super Bowl Sunday. As you look up and down the board, Kansas City's offense, KC's defense, Philly's offense, Philly's defense, DRS, what is the unit you have the most confidence in for Super Bowl 57? 
to be honest with you, you'd like to say the defense for the Eagles, they played so well. But again, you're still dealing with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes in two weeks to prepare. The team that I'm looking at confidence the most, if I think is going to have success, Philadelphia Eagles offense. I think they'll move the football up and down against the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs are into certain metrics here, websites that you look at, pro football focus. They're a top five defense. Sometimes they play like that. Sometimes they don't. But the reason why the Chiefs are usually good is they have the lead and they can pin their ear back and rush the passer. That's not going to be the case. The most confidence for me, the Eagles offense versus the Kansas City Chiefs defense, man. When you look at the offensive line for the Birds, as good as they come Very good. in all the National Football League. That is the story for DRS as well. Our Monday morning armchair quarterback, all NFL season long. DRS, have a great rest of the week here. I'm sure we'll be talking on the money line, breaking down the NBA trade deadline come Thursday as well. Can't wait for it, boys. Can't wait. It's going to be a great time. More of the morning after in a Super Bowl preview up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Super Bowl week rolls on. Live right here on a Monday morning on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and of course, all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That is Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. The final week of the NFL season. One last time to dive through the props, and there are a ton of those props for Super Bowl 57. So the jack of all trades. From FanDuel, Tom Vecchio joins us live right here on this first day of Super Bowl week to get ready for Super Bowl Sunday between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom, the moment has built up to this. On this Monday, the prop perspective for Super Bowl 57. We appreciate your time as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a little bit bittersweet. We've had, uh, I would say, a pretty successful season. Uh, the props are coming to a close. Obviously, there's a lot to get to and a lot of uh, unique props this week. So let's get to it. Tom, as we always do, we look at whatever individual game we are discussing and take the overview and what it all signifies for the rest of the prop market and how those key matchups break down for us to find value. Of course, we do that with Super Bowl 57. Philly remains the slight favorite. One and a half points on the spread, minus 122. That money line price on the birds. The over under up from where it opened at 49 and a half. It is currently 50 and a half. It has been that case for the last three days or so so tom a very close spread only one and a half in favor of philadelphia with a relatively high total north of 50. what does that mean for you as you break down the props for super bowl 57. well when it comes to the props we're obviously expecting some scoring these are two elite offenses you know we we do have a very strong defense on the side of philadelphia i gotta say right from the jump when i'm looking at the money line for the eagles and okay i'm gonna say if i if i think they're gonna win if i'm gonna be betting on them to win what does that mean if they're going to be winning? What's the outcome? And realistically, when we see the teams win, like how do we translate that to props? So like the point that I'm trying to make is Hertz is plus 134 in MVP and they're minus 128 or whatever it is on the money line. So if they right. win, it's probably going to be because Hertz having a big game. We've seen quarterbacks win MVPs many, many times. So I'm not going to take a shot on the Eagles money line if I want to bet the Eagles. It's probably going to be via Hertz MVP at plus 130. That differential between plus 130 and minus 128 is the spot that initially draws me in as from a prop perspective. Obviously, I like a ton of props on the Chiefs side as well. Yeah, 
Tom, I think it's a great point. We saw that through the middle portion of last week, the week prior to Super Bowl week, of course, following Conference Championship Sunday. Drastically following the conclusion of the two conference title games two weekends ago now, Kansas City opened as the favorite for Super Bowl 57. The line moved quickly to Philadelphia. And that was pretty much most of the movement we saw. A couple of cents here and there on the money line. And, of course, the total up by a point. The most significant movement was Patrick Mahomes jumping Jalen Hurts in that individual market to win Super Bowl 57's MVP. And to echo your point, if that's going to happen, if Mahomes is going to win Super Bowl MVP, it probably means the Chiefs are victorious. So let's focus on Patrick Mahomes, Tom Becchio. 292 and a half. Let's start first with the health of that right ankle. Obviously, the high ankle sprain during the divisional weekend game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mahomes around 80, 85% on conference championship Sunday. Tom, the expectation is he has used this off time to get closer to 100%. What do you think his health will look like come six days from now in Phoenix against the Eagles on Super Bowl Sunday? I have absolutely no worry about Mahomes. And I think that last game proved it where, you know, everyone was cautious about him, cautious about his props, their offense overall. And he comes out, you know, firing the ball over 40 times. Yeah, he was limping around a little bit, as you'd expect. But it's been a couple of weeks. He has this extra rest. And listen, if he was that good, you know, passing 40 plus times, having a great game against the Bengals with this extra rest, I'm expecting he's going to be at 100% or close to it. So I'm not really factoring in his health in any capacity. I'm taking this as if everyone is fully healthy and good to go. You know, Hertz has some issues with the shoulder. They have some issues on the offensive line. But, you know, that's all minor when it's all said and done. So I like Mahomes. Specifically, I like over Mahomes 39 and a half passing attempts. It's again, minus 102. It's a spot that I've gone all season. Passing attempts, I think, is one of the softer QB markets to attack. He was at 39 or more in each of the three games last postseason. That's also something we want to look at. He was at 38 and 49 the uh, the year before, and he was at 42 passing attempts in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. So it's not only about what he's done because he's at 43 and 30 in the two games this season. We also want to be factoring in what they do when push comes to shove because we do have actually a decent sample size to look at for the Chiefs in the playoffs and their play calling overall. 43 in the AFC Championship game two weekends ago against Cincinnati. 49 in the Super Bowl loss and Super Bowl 55 against the Buccaneers. 42 even in the win against the San Francisco 49ers. Tom, you're right. That sample size, when you look at the Chiefs, has a little bit more maybe than for Jalen Hurts, making just his fourth playoff start here in Super Bowl 57 against Kansas City. The narrative, Tom, has been the Eagles have been great on the ground, but a lot of that is because the Birds have had substantial halftime leads at the break in each of their two postseason victories. Tom, do you expect to see the Eagles air it out a little bit more with Jalen Hurts come Sunday? It's solely dependent on that game script, as you mentioned. It's like, okay, they get up, so they don't really have to pass the ball. Uh, I, I will say I do like A.J. Brown over 26 and a half for his longest reception. That's also staying at minus 102. You know, he's been that key downfield target for them with a team-high 12.1 A-dodge average depth of target, a 41.6 air yards market share, and a team-high 29 uh, regular market share. So he's been that guy. Yes, they haven't need to pass the ball, like, in super high volume, but we have seen the Chiefs, you know, pretty susceptible this offseason to long passes. I should say this, not offseason, this postseason to long passes, uh, seeing long receptions of 27, 35, and 37 in these first two games for them. So... Yeah, will they need to have Brown and Smith both go for 100-plus yards? Probably not, just based on their defense and the way they call things. But I still like Brown to go over this mark. 
Tom, you know I love to establish the run. Philadelphia has done that so far this postseason. 44 rushing attempts as a team, both in the win over the Giants and, of course, against the San Francisco 49ers on Conference Championship Sunday. How important do you think the ground game will be for the Eagles? But let's not leave out the Chiefs from this conversation as well. Right, and it comes down to how effective we see both teams in the passing game. Uh, I'm not worried about either team. Speci- I would say I'm not worried about the Eagles you know, committing to the run or having a more balanced attack. Uh, and if we do see the Eagles get out to a big lead, this is where I think my other favorite prop, which would be Pacheco under 11.5 rushing attempts, correlates with that Mahomes over passing attempts. Because if we do see the Eagles jump out to this lead, as they've been doing in a lot of their games, not just in the postseason, yeah. but throughout the regular season, What does that mean? Well, it means that they're probably not going to be leaning on Pacheco to run the ball a ton of times. He's only posted 12 and 11, 12 and 10 rushing attempts, and his prop is at 11 and a half. So if they do fall behind, this means Mahomes, who I'm assuming is fully healthy again, is going to be in a spot to pass the ball as they've continuously done in their past uh, playoffs. So the Eagles probably will have a bit more of a balanced attack compared to the Chiefs, but ultimately that just provides a bit of uh, an opportunity to attack some unders on Chiefs rushing props, rushing attempts, rushing yards, whatever it might be. Vecchio, it also doesn't mean that Isaiah Pacheco is then out of Kansas City's offensive philosophy. We saw him have 59 receiving yards on six targets and five grabs against Cincinnati in that AFC championship victory two weekends ago. Right now, as we enter Super Bowl week on this Monday morning, there is some concern over Kansas City's wide receivers core. In fact, it's only Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, and Jarek McKinnon for the Chiefs that have a receiving yards number out there. You mentioned A.J. Brown, how you expect him to be utilized in the downfield passing attack. Vecchio, how much focus do you think Kansas City and thus Philadelphia's defense is putting on Travis Kelsey for Super Bowl Sunday? Well, it has to be a lot. As you mentioned, they're going to be without McCall Hardman. They're dealing with some injuries with Kadarius Toney. Like, there's a lot of question marks. That's why we're dealing with limited props being posted um, you know, ultimately, I'm not going to be taking unders when it comes to Travis Kelsey, as we've seen in a lot of these recent right. games where he's getting just so many targets. His line's at seven and a half and uh, for receptions, that is. And, I, and frankly, I think that's too low. So I probably just look for the, you know, alternate market and go to, uh, you know, nine plus, ten plus, you know, look for him for 100 plus receiving yards, whatever has the best value at a reasonable line. Because, you know, frankly, if, again, if we see Kelsey with five total receptions and 50 yards, the Chiefs didn't do something right. And then I'd be credit to the Eagles in that case. But ultimately, they need to be feeding Kelsey the ball because they're a little bit limited on offense. So I'm just going to be shooting for the most value with Kelsey. And it's not going to be seven and a half receptions. It's probably going to be nine or 10 plus. Just go for the biggest possible number. 15 targets in that most recent Super Bowl for Philadelphia. 10 grabs, or excuse me, for Kansas City. 10 grabs against Tampa Bay in Super Bowl 55 for Travis Kelsey, a guy that in his 12 playoff games with KC in this five-year span that has seen them appear in the Super Bowl three times now, he has averaged 98 receiving yards per game. Tom Vecchio, Super Bowl 57 is your biggest party from that prop perspective. Numbers we don't see on a regular basis throughout a regular season in the National Football League or even throughout playoff matchups as well. And Tom, it starts from the jump. How about the coin toss? Tails never fails or will it be heads for that ultimate side? Tom Vecchio, what are the chances it's heads or tails? Would you say it's a 50-50 shot? 
Yeah, statistically, it's a 50-50 shot. This is uh, not a market I go to. Actually, one of my favorite props would be, will the opening kickoff be a touchback? It's actually up at mm. minus 190 now. I saw it earlier in the week or last week, you say it, like minus 165 or 166, whatever it was. It's been you know steamed up a lot because I expect them to you know have very little variance in early in the game. We want to kick that ball deep. So it's minus 190. It's obviously a lot of juice there. That's actually one of my favorite props to go to. Uh, I don't really dive too much into like the Gatorade or the songs or whatever that might be. Uh, I will say, if you're looking for some interesting props, Travis Kelsey first half touchdown is sitting at plus 220 and second half touchdown is at plus 200. His normal anytime touchdown line is sitting at minus 125. So if you're looking for a shot for that bigger value, it would be going with one of the half touchdowns. It's a really good point, Tom, because as we were talking about throughout the break, scoring a touchdown is still a random event. Even for Travis Kelsey, who has scored nine of them in the last eight playoff games. So maybe try to get some plus money for Kelsey finding Pater. Our prop perspective for Super Bowl 57 brought to us by the Jack of All Trades from FanDuel, Tom Vecchio. Tom, we appreciate your time as always. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is Super Bowl week live right here all across the Sports Grid Network and, of course, on the opening day of Super Bowl week on this Monday. But no actual NFL game on a Sunday for the first time since early September. So the NBA said, don't worry, we got you for all the sports storylines you need. Kyrie Irving traded to the Dallas Mavericks, the Brooklyn Nets, sending Kyrie and Markeith Morris to Texas to join Luka Doncic. All of your reaction that you need right here in one place, live on this Monday on TMA. And we're glad to have good friends that know what they're talking about when it comes to the association. Of course, our coach leads the way. That would be James Young. JY, thank you for joining us here on this Monday morning for all of the reaction on one of the biggest sports storylines we have seen all year long in the NBA. Leave it to the NBA to tell NFL Super Bowl week, hey, hold my beer for a second. We got stuff to discuss. So, JY, since we signed off the air on Friday morning around 11 a.m. Eastern time, it seemed like all was good in Brooklyn, just waiting for Kevin Durant to get back and healthy. The drama had been quelled off the floor. The Nets seemed like a true contender. And then Kyrie Irving, through reports, issues a trade request from the Brooklyn Nets. That was Friday afternoon. About 48 hours later, he is sent to Dallas. The Mavericks now getting somebody to join Luka Doncic in that backcourt for the Mavs. So, JY, take us through your reaction to the timeline over the past 48 hours or so that ends with Kyrie Irving in a Dallas Mavericks uniform for the rest of this season. Shocked that this happened, Ben? I think not. The Nets are basically the soap opera of the NBA. I mean, they're probably the soap opera of all team sports with the drama that's unfolded. But it came down to this. Kyrie wanted an extension. He wanted a four-year max. The Nets smartly didn't want to to pay it. So what does Kyrie do? To try and force a trade, particularly to the Lakers, and then we saw how this thing developed quickly. I think Smart will talk about the ramifications on both sides, but if you're the Nets, you have to get a quick solution because you have the trading deadline coming on Thursday. 
Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time. That is the trade deadline in the association. So let's talk about the specifics of this actual deal, JY. The Dallas Mavericks get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris and in return send back to Brooklyn Spencer Dinwiddie, who played with the Nets from 2016 until 2021. Dorian Finney-Smith as well. A 2029 unprotected first-round pick and then two second-round draft picks in 2027 and 2029 as well. JY, what did you make of the actual specifics of this deal between the Mavericks and the Nets? Very simply, Joe Sy was not sending them to the Lakers. This was basically been the same thing that happened when Donovan Mitchell was trying to get traded to the Knicks. They, Joe Sy was like, anywhere but the Lakers. And I think that was a directive. If you just think about the trade package that was supposedly asked of the Lakers, which reportedly was Westbrook, Reeves, uh, one other young player, and then like three number one picks. That wasn't happening. Uh, Matt, uh, Christie was the other part from Michigan State. So it was obvious that it wasn't going to go there. To me, this is about the Nets saying, okay, let's try and salvage the season now with a point guard in Dimwitty who's had success with the Brooklyn Nets until he left in 2022 to go to Washington. But then it's also getting Finney Smith who I do think is very similar to Royce O'Neal. Hint, hint, that means another trade's probably coming. But also, the pick's down the road. So the Nets try to save face now for Kevin Durant while trying to stock their coffers for later picks. Spencer didn't when he averaging 17-7 points per game this year. He maybe wasn't the answer for the true number two Dallas needed alongside Luka Doncic, but a very talented NBA player. And Dorian Finney-Smith was huge for the Mavericks last year in the postseason. Nearly 12 points per game, five and a half boards in 18 playoff games that saw the Mavericks, of course, in the Western Conference Finals. Now let's go to the Dallas side of things. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Coach, James Young. How do you think these two players fit together in the Mavericks' backcourt? You know, I was thinking about the, the movie. I think it was Big Daddy. And Rob Schneider was like, like you know, ham and tuna fish. Uh, you know, peanut butter and something. That's how I think it's going to fit. You know what that means? It ain't going to fit. Let's be honest. Mm. You got two ball-dominant guards who need the ball at all times. Now, I understand the logic of it. They lost Jalen Brunson. You think they would want him back in Dallas right now the way he's playing for the Knicks? Of course they would. But to me, it's more about the fact that they wanted a second guard so that you could put either or, meaning Kyrie brings the ball up the floor, maybe get into a pick-and-roll situation. Second side of the floor, Luka. You can't load up on Luka. Luka's got one-on-one opportunities or vice versa. Or you have times where one of them's on the floor without the other, so you maximize mm. scoring. I get it, Ben. I just think it's hard for those two to coexist. I don't think Luka's the easiest teammate to have, but it still doesn't address to me Dallas's biggest issue, Ben, which is the play in the front court, typically at the center position. Yeah, J.Y., that's the optimism, right? Now having both for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, that this is truly a team that can contend for a Western Conference crown. 14 to 1 prior to the trade on Friday afternoon, even prior to the trade request. Now, plus 550, the fourth best price, JY, to win the Western Conference. Where do you now stack up the Dallas Mavericks in terms of rank in the West to truly be that conference title contender? Well, first things first, folks, you got seven teams 
within four and a half dollars of each other. You know what that means? Nobody knows who's coming out of the West. That's how wide open it is, in my opinion. But to me, let's be honest, Ben. Are they better than Denver? No. Are they better than the Grizzlies? No. Are they better to the, than the Warriors? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Are they better than the Clippers? I think not if they're healthy. And the Phoenix team becomes, honestly, Ben, the biggest wild card because if it's true that they went after Kyrie, that means they're looking at point guard play or some kind of trade. They can move up, and I still maintain this. If Zion comes back and he is healthy, I think the Pelicans at 14-1 to are an incredible value because when Zion was there and they were healthy, they were as good as any team in the Western Conference. That big six or seven, it's going to be seven teams fighting for position. I'm sorry, K-Dub, your Lakers, they ain't going to be in it. JY, I think it's a really good point because we often look at market movement for the two specific teams, the Nets who traded away Kyrie Irving and, of course, the Dallas Mavericks who now add Kyrie with Luka. But it's the ramifications felt elsewhere all around the Western Conference. Speaking of the Brooklyn Nets and looking at some of those trade market movements that we see there on our screen following this blockbuster deal, sending Kyrie to Texas yesterday jy it felt like the brooklyn nets had started to figure things out off the court of course and now with success on the basketball court and yes kevin durant has missed the last 12 games for brooklyn but there was optimism for when he returned 12 games above 500 a 32 and 20 record and entering the weekend had the third best price to win an incredibly stacked eastern conference so jy where does this kyrie irving deal leave the brooklyn nets Honestly, at a major crossroads. Because now you have to go sell Kevin Durant that we have this figured out. There is a long-term solution here. And that's why I think more than anything, Ben, they made the trade yesterday because they need time. They need up to Thursday to try and come up with some kind of deal to bring some kind of superstar or star to appease Kevin Durant. Or does Kevin Durant beat them to the punch and say, you know what? I'm done. You traded my guy. Now I want out. So now the Nets have to figure out who do they want to try and bring in to appease Kevin Durant or do they go full rebuild? Because to me, you know how it is, Ben. Either you're winning or you're rebuilding in the NBA. There's no in-between. The last thing you want to be is a 7-10 seed in the NBA. You might as well rebuild. So let's see what happens when a guy like Kevin Durant was under contract for three more years, and it's got maybe, I would say, two maximum years at elite performance. When you think of the Western Conference, JY, as you mentioned earlier, the Lakers have the third worst record on that side of the league, four games below 500. They're only five games behind in terms of the win-loss column. The Sacramento Kings that have the third best record, the third worst or the third best. There's only a five-game gap right now in the Western Conference. It makes that very up in the air. Meanwhile, the Eastern Conference seems pretty stacked and jy the brooklyn nets have entered pretty much every nba season over the span of the last three to four years with that optimism to win a conference crown and maybe even an nba championship but as we look at 
Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's time together in Brooklyn, plagued by the fact that they weren't on the floor for a variety of reasons often together, only 74 regular season games together, only one playoff series victory. They were just six and seven in the only 13 playoff games when both KD and Kyrie were on the floor together in a Nets uniform. JY, the question to you is simple. How will you remember the Brooklyn Nets tenure with both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? A total disaster. There, there's, there's no there's no way around it, man. It's a total disaster. Sean Marks had that team on the come up. And to me, I've said this on this network for the ever since I've been on the network for a little over a year and a half. They screwed this up when they traded for James Harden. They had the young coach and Kenny Atkinson. They had KD and Kyrie signed. D'Lo was gone. But you still had Dimwitty. You still had Jared Allen. You still had Karis LeVert. You still had Torrey Prince. You had all the guys around it that was set to make a run with a young coach, Kenny Atkinson, young, attractive star player potential, and Jared Allen, Spencer Dimwitty, who was a great as a six, would have been great as a six man, with two yep. superstars, and they went for it, and it blew up in their face. Total, complete disaster. You, they fired the coach. Let me tell you something. If you're Joe Sy and this thing torpedoes, Sean Marks could be the next domino to drop in Brooklyn. When you think about relative to expectation, coming up short constantly and by a large margin is probably how the Brooklyn Nets time with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden for a little bit of that as well will be remembered for that Nets organization. Elsewhere, JY, around the NBA, some big news yesterday. Stephen Curry now sidelined with a lower leg injury at least through the All-Star break in the couple of weeks here in the month of February. We have seen the Warriors be just one game above 500 this year, a 27-26 and 26 record. JY, we saw movement in the odds market as well following the injury news around Steph yesterday. How does this overall, JY, change your outlook for Golden State the rest of this season? Well, I didn't think they were coming out of the West anyway. I just think there's too many holes. I think they're missing guys like Gary Payton is uh, second, uh, Lee, and obviously Otto Porter, who's not really done anything with Toronto. I think they're missing these role guys. They have to address it. The Kaminga, the Wisemans, and the Moody's have not been good. They're not good without Steph. Let's see what happens. I think they have to trade and upgrade their bench besides Dante DiVincenzo, and it's not been good with Jordan Poole. They need front court help. But to me, you're looking more like Nuggets, Clippers, if they get their act together. And if the Grizzlies could just show up and shut up and stop fighting everybody, they actually have the talent, I don't know about the coaching, to make a run at the West. JY, that's a conversation around Memphis for a different day. LeBron James continues his hunt for history. Might it come on Thursday at home against the Milwaukee Bucks? JY, hit the fadeaway. We appreciate oh, your time greatly here LeBron, on the I morning after. As always, we go to break. Hit it, JY. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. out our number one of this opening day of a new week live right here on the morning after on sports grid thank you for joining us on this monday morning sirius xm channel 159 all across the sports grid network as well 
I am Ben Stevens. On this Monday morning, of course, it is the opening day of not just a new week, but Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 57. Now on the horizon on Sunday in the desert in Phoenix slash Glendale, Arizona, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Plenty more coming your way in terms of a Super Bowl 57 breakdown later on in our number two. But over this weekend, without an NFL football game, and no, we do not count the Pro Bowl games here live on the morning after, the NBA dominated the headlines. Kyrie Irving now traded to the Dallas Mavericks to join forces with Luka Doncic. What does it mean for both the Mavs and as they try to ascend in the Western Conference and the Brooklyn Nets that seem like finally they had figured things out in the East? Where does Kevin Durant and Brooklyn go from here? That was the question to you in Fade the Public. So after the Kyrie Irving trade, which team goes farther in the NBA playoffs this season? Is it going to be the Dallas Mavericks, who now have Kyrie Irving, or the Brooklyn Nets, who are without Kyrie Irving the rest of this season? And of course, waiting on a healthy KD to get back out on to the floor. Most of the public going with the Dallas Mavericks. 67% of the public, in fact, at SportsGrid TV on Twitter, saying now with Kyrie Irving, the Mavericks are going to go farther in the playoffs this postseason than the Brooklyn Nets on the other side in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Eastern Conference is absolutely stacked. As we have shared, there is just a five-game gap between the third-best record in the Western Conference, which is the Sacramento Kings, and the Lakers, who have the third-worst record in the Western Conference. Very much more up in the air. Luka Doncic, who left Thursday night's game with a heel injury, tries to return with Kyrie Irving, and that is now the optimism for this Dallas organization on the floor. But it's hardly ever just on the floor for Kyrie Irving when it comes to basketball. Hour number two, up next on the morning after. 